Are you using Facebook ads to grow your podcast? Should you be using Facebook ads to grow your podcast? I get this question all the time. Many podcasters try Facebook ads out when they first start their show. After all, how else are you able to grow an audience from scratch, right? So we think. I made this same assumption back when I first started out as a podcaster. Way back before I took two shows past six figures and before I was fortunate enough to make more than half a million dollars podcasting in only three years, I made the same assumption that most podcasters make, which is this. I guess I should pay to boost my posts on Facebook if I want my audience to grow. Well, let me tell you, this was a huge mistake. I actually lost $2,000 in one week on Facebook ads back in 2018, trying to kickstart my audience. And let me tell you, I came out of that with nothing to show for it except a credit card bill. And I see other podcasters do this all the time in the early days as well. And the results could be brutal. Facebook ads eats beginners alive. It chews them up, it spits them out, and it leaves them off worse than they were before. It's pure carnage. And this is kind of a shame because if you do learn how to actually do it right, Facebook ads can actually really give you an incredible return on your investment. In fact, there's a good chance that you discovered me via a Facebook ad. So today, I wanna help bridge the gap and share the basics of how Facebook ads actually work and how you can start to use them to grow your audience and grow your podcast business. To do that, we're gonna be joined today by a member of the Grow the Show community. Her name is Marie Nicola, and I actually discovered her one day when I logged into the Grow the Show Facebook group to engage with my audience and contribute to the conversation, and I noticed somebody named Marie N. spitting some fire in the comments of a post that was asking for help with audience growth. In one comment alone, she explained how to use Facebook ads to supplement your podcast growth strategies, and she explained it in a way that I hadn't seen before, in a way that made sense and was easy to understand. And while doing so, she happened to mention that she had experience running the entire Facebook ads campaign for Canada's coverage of the Olympics, and that she uses what she learned there to grow her own podcast audience. I said, whoa, who is this? We got to get her on the show. And today, she's here. So in this episode of Grow the Show, you're going to learn the absolute fundamentals of Facebook ads, and you're going to know exactly when and how you should get started using it to grow your podcast audience. And by the way, you'll also learn when you shouldn't use it as well. Today, Marie is going to lay it out step by step, and she's also going to tell you what mistakes to avoid so that you don't have to learn $2,000 lessons like I did. And instead, you can start to use Facebook ads the right way, generate a real return, and spend only like maybe 10 bucks. It's not too good to be true. And it all starts now. This is Grow the Show, the podcast to help you grow your podcast. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and my mission is to help you, the independent podcaster, to grow your audience and monetize now so you can have a thriving podcast business. Today, we are speaking with career online marketer and podcaster Marie Nicola, who has achieved massive viral reach for her marketing clients and who is about to help you do the same. So, 
If you're looking to add Facebook ads to your toolbox of audience growth levers, then stick around now to grow the show. All right, so before we dive back into today's episode, we need to have a quick chat. Are you putting in endless hours into your podcast, but not seeing the growth or revenue that you expected? It is a common struggle that many podcasters face, but that does not have to be your story. What if instead there was a proven system to not only skyrocket your podcast's growth, but also generate ROI from your show, bringing you clients and customers to your business? Well, that's exactly what the Grow the Show Academy offers. With over 90 different tutorials, live Q&A sessions, and workshops every week, and a community of hundreds of growing podcasters, in the Academy, you're gonna have everything that you need to transform your podcast. Within the program, you're gonna learn how to refine your show's premise, retain your audience, attract new listeners where they already are, and convert your audience into paying customers. These are the strategies that I have honed for myself over the past five years, and these are the strategies that have helped hundreds of podcasters achieve exponential growth and significant income from their shows. So if you're ready to take your podcast from an expensive side project to a thriving profit center, just visit growtheshow.com slash academy or click the link in the show notes to learn more. I would love to see you on one of our next Q&A calls. Get your podcast unstuck and make it unstoppable. All right, let's get back to the show. Hi, my name is Marie Nicola. I'm the host of a show called Alt Pop Repeat, where we talk about how counterculture turns into pop culture. But what a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually a senior digital strategist specializing in paid as well as SEO strategies. Marie is truly a digital marketing native. She began marketing online without even knowing it as a kid. It's an interesting story that takes me back to my childhood and a very strict father that wouldn't let me leave the house and a love for Sailor mm. Moon. <laughs> and wow. I, I created a website for Sailor Mars. It was called Supreme Goddess Ray because I've always been extra. And <laughs> it was called Supreme Goddess Ray's website. So I started putting together these little zip files. I was going on telnets and IRC mm. groups and sharing it as much as I possibly could. And I was trying to figure out ways that I could get the most traffic I could for a web to my website. But the joke was is that I was just a kid sharing my love for a cartoon. And I had no idea that along the way, the lessons that I had learned, literally cutting my teeth from the earliest days of the internet would ever serve me mm. in my adult life as, you know, doing marketing. Right. I never thought in a million years, but I mean, the premises are pretty much all the same. You provide something of value to your audience and your audience will build trust with your audience and your audience will come back and consume more. As she got older, Marie continued to learn more about marketing through her own side projects. It was a little project called Nat and Marie that I did with my friend Nat Tubanos. And at the time when live streaming was just starting out. It was like the infancy of this whole genre that we consider to be just a normal part of online living. But at that time, people were not necessarily doing live streaming the way that we do them today. They were doing talking heads in rooms like Ustream or Livestream.com. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to challenge that and go from just talking head. Like it was very similar to an Instagram live. We wanted to interview guests. We wanted to have live music. And we also wanted to interview what we called celebrities, hmm. which were individuals that are particularly celebrities online. 
And uh, it was awesome. It was one hour. It happened every Wednesday. And we had to learn how to speak in an environment that most people were using scripts. It was just us, our content, and our audience. We built everything from the ground up, but we were so committed to this idea. But it was a little bit ahead of its time because, again, like I said, you know, at that time, people were used to the talking heads on live stream. They were used to watching content on a schedule on demand. Yeah. So for them to tune into a show on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, 9 p.m., it was a bit of an ask. They had to kind of schedule it into their lives. And it really wasn't the way that people were consuming content at that time. What sort of things did you learn back then that you are still using today? Um, we as content producers usually subscribe to the publicity style of marketing, which is word of mouth. And by definition, it's free. But when you're dealing with an online environment, if you really want to accelerate that, you need to find the places where those journalists and those cool tastemakers are hanging out and getting their content because the act of discovery is so powerful for them. They don't want to be told. They want to discover it. So when I was on that show, what I learned was where are those quote unquote feeder sites? Where are all the sites that all the important people are going to get their content? And how do I get my content there? And quite often at the time it was, um, well, Reddit was a big one, obviously. Um, but then there was a few others. I can has cheeseburger was a very important one. <laughs> oh man. I haven't thought about that website in so long. That's like where the people who are working at Newsweek were going for content. That's where a lot of people who are wow. writing for the New York times were getting content. And we actually used hmm. that knowledge for, there are these two girls named Lennon and Maisie and their last name was Lennon and Maisie Stella. And, uh, they were trying to get on a show called Nashville. So they were up against somebody else and I was brought on board to help make this little video that they made go viral. And so we took, that was like the cornerstone of it was these feeder sites. Me and my entire team on that live stream show, we spent a whole day. We started at like 5 a.m. in the morning and we just gunned it all day, just making sure that content was listing on all those important sites. If you want right. to make something go viral organically, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a team of people to do it. And it's wow. possible because everything online and marketing is a numbers game. I remember when I was in school, one of the things they taught us was for you to have a tipping point in any market, you just need to reach 11% of that market. Hmm. That's it. So for us, we were just trying to get that 11%, whatever that number was, using methods that didn't cost us any money because we had none. We were spending it on our equipment on our show just to keep that show alive. So for us, being able to take some of this knowledge that we learned from other online celebrities and producers and to be apply it in this one case and help these two girls out to get on a show was really profoundly important to us because for me as a marketer, it was kind of like proof is in the pudding. Like this actually right. does work. What was the result? The result was we got them a million views in less than 24 hours. And the next morning they were on Good Morning America. Wow. So we did it. Um, and they hmm. went on. So Lennon, Lennon is now a pop star. So she was on, yeah. they were the two sisters on ABC's Nashville. And then she's now a pop star. She had a song that was on the Game of Thrones, like pop soundtrack when that came out. This type of marketing knowledge and experience eventually landed Marie some freelance marketing gigs with some big clients. 
I got to work with uh, CBC Olympics. So CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's our public broadcaster. It's one of our legacy media outlets. And uh, I got an opportunity to go and work with them for Sochi. That was in 2014. Yeah. And after that, I had an opportunity to go to Samsung Canada and I headed up their digital strategy. But while I was there, I said, look, we can grow this. And I created a whole role for myself that didn't exist before. And I helped to increase uh, Samsung Canada's presence as one of the top 30 global markets for Samsung, which for Canada is very significant because we don't always get the same budgets as the rest of the world because we're so close to the United States. And then after Samsung, I went and I started to do freelance marketing because I love I love helping people out. I love working with content producers. And as a content producer myself, I felt like I was spending too much time on the marketing and not enough time on my own passion projects and on my own podcasts and my own productions. So going to freelance allowed me to kind of share this knowledge that I knew worked and I knew was helping large brands yeah. And be able to distill that for everyone else and using, as I said, sharing that knowledge, you know, in the community, as well as supporting myself and my project of being yeah. a pop culture historian. Clearly, Marie is an expert. And in consulting, she often finds that a lot of her clients have the same question that you have. How do I get people to tune in? That question is the reason you tuned in to this podcast. The answer, well, If you've ever listened to any other episode of Grow the Show, the answer may sound familiar. The easiest way is to invest in those publicity strategies, to go in, engage with people every day, let them know about your show, make sure you're posting on social, make sure you're getting reviews done, get listed in those podcast playlists, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds a lot like targeted daily engagement, right? But yes, the easiest way is the way that requires you to spend your time instead of your money. TDE, PR, publicity, getting your guests to share, word of mouth, all those types of things. But here's the thing. All of those quote unquote free strategies, they're not free, they require time instead of cash. They have some caveats. There's downsides to publicity. And some of those downsides are is that you don't have control over your message. If you are getting people to review your show, for example, you have no control over what they're gonna write in a review. A journalist is going to write about you. You have no control about what the journalist Mm. is going to write about your show. Those growth tactics are not entirely within your control. And if you've got an interview show, you already understand how hard it is to get your guests to spread the word, right? But that's not the only problem with time spend growth tactics. Other things are it's timely. Like once the news cycle updates, you're gone from the front page. If you did a five-minute segment on a morning show, you're only hot as that segment is up. Then the next segment comes and then your old news. So what's a way that we can get around this? How can you get people to tune into your show while avoiding the constant PR cycle of finding and falling out of the spotlight and without having to rely on other people to spread and potentially misrepresent your message? You can make it up by flipping over to the other side of that marketing coin and taking a look at the advertising and the paid side of it. The reason why we came to the show is because somebody had posted in the Grow Your Show Facebook channel about how um, they had questions about paid. And I wasn't surprised to see the answers that people are coming back with. I wasn't surprised to say that everyone was like, no, 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 don't bother. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of money. But the thing is, is that 
we have to stop as small time producers who don't have huge budgets. We have to stop expecting that paid is going to perform in the same way as publicity is because it's Mm. just not unless you have tons of cash to throw at it. It's not going to work like that. So you've got to use it in a slightly different way in order to enhance what you're doing on that publicity side of things. This is what we're talking about today. How to use paid advertising, specifically paid advertising on Facebook to boost your listenership. The key here is to use paid spend as a supplement to your time spend growth methods. But before we get into what you should do, we're going to talk about what most people do wrong when it comes to Facebook ads. Typically, they'll go and they'll boost a post. They'll say, okay, I'm going to hit that boost button and I'm going to throw $10 a day on it. And here's some vague targeting and I'm just going to get a return. But I think in my mind, when they created that feature, it was just a way to get people who don't know how to do paid to spend money on it. I don't think you get a ton out of it. I feel it's very expensive and limiting. So don't boost posts. It's a money pit. It doesn't help at all. Instead, let's break down the correct way to use Facebook ads, including who your audience should be and how to get your ad in front of them, what the ad should look like and what to spend. All right. So how do we start growing our audience via supplemental paid spend on Facebook? Well, To start growing our audience, the best thing to do is to actually start with the audience that we already have. Let's start with a newsletter, okay? You have a group of people that are following your newsletter. You've invested time and effort to build this because it's an important part of your whole marketing mix with your podcast. So you have a group of people, whether it's 100 people, whether it's 2,000 people, whatever. You have a group of people that have showed or expressed interest in your show. Now, What you can do with paid is you can amplify that. You can just basically like throw it into Facebook. They have something called lookalike audiences. So you Mm. get to build custom audiences that look very similar to the list that you already have. So this is one thing that I think is the easiest way. Your lookalike audiences, in my experience, lookalike audiences always perform 10 times better than just building a target audience from scratch. Okay, custom audience, got it. But wait, how do I even get into the part of Facebook where I can make the ads? You're going to go to a part on Facebook and it is called the business manager. So go over to the business manager and it's going to be the scariest looking place that you go if you have no experience with it at all. It's very daunting, but there's tons of resources online and I'm going to try and put together a a little walkthrough, kind of help demystify this little one pager to help people. The link to that is in the show notes. Once you get there, you create your ad account. Once you have your ad account, you go in and you can create audiences. That's it. So when you go into audiences, Facebook will walk you through and you have an opportunity to upload a list that you already have. Once you upload it in, you can create a lookalike against it. So Facebook will take that information and will say, okay, these users here, okay, I see Kevin and I see Marie and I see all these other people. Okay, like there's their email. I've matched it up with their profile. (laughs) Scary, but that's the fact of it. And they say, oh, there's this is what their interests are. Now, I'm going to find 10,000 to a million other people in the rest of the world that look identical to these people. And that's your lookalike audience. And that's why I think that is probably one of the most powerful things to do. So it kind of goes back to you saying, 
you really should invest time in building those newsletter audiences because it's yeah. more than your newsletter. You can also use it to help bolster some of your mm. online advertising. Got it. So once you have that lookalike built, then it's so custom to you. It's great. Here you can already see how this is a supplement to your time spent growth activities, meaning it's gonna be way, way too expensive for you to start out with people discovering you for the first time via a cold ad. It is much, much better for you to get your first one to 2,000 audience members via TDE, publicity, word of mouth, etc. because with those methods, you won't burn thousands of dollars as you figure out the right mix for you. It could take some time, yes, but in the early stages, that's what you have more of to spend, right? Once you have your first one to 2,000, or really even your first three to 500 listeners, you can start using lookalike audiences. And once you do that, there's actually another way to use lookalike audiences to your advantage. Now, the other thing that I really like using lookalike audiences for is trying to reach out to media. So if you have a preliminary media list that you have built. This would be the list of people that you want to help you spread the word about your show. Journalists, influencers, other podcasters, anyone who has already gathered your dream audience within their audience. Here at Grow the Show, we call this group of people our Dream 100. You've got their emails, you've got your names on it, you've got some other identifying details for that press, those journalists, those people that you want to cover your show and engage with, and maybe even be on their shows. Build out a list for that, put it in Facebook, build a lookalike, so you're now getting more people Whoa. that you didn't even know existed before that look identical to that. Now, whenever you put in an ad, you can now target those people for whatever it is you want to target it for. You can tell them about mm. your show. You can do anything you really want with it. But I think those are two very interesting applications for it. So here we've established that the best way to use paid Facebook ads to grow your audience is by using lookalike audiences, where you upload people's names and emails, and Facebook then goes and builds an audience of people who have the same or at least really specific and similar interests to the people that are already in your audience. But that ad audience is only a portion of the formula for high-performing Facebook ads. The next ingredient for a great Facebook ad is to make it look great. Because even if you have the perfect audience set, a dull or uninteresting ad is just not going to be effective. What I find works really well is color blocked creative. Hmm. So you don't have to always have like a picture of yourself. You can just say something really bold and exciting that's like text, yellow background, black writing, whatever your colors are, but a nice color blocked, bold engaging thing that says, I don't know, we can make an example for anything right now. How about um, first time on Good Morning America? I don't know, something that's exciting that people would be like, oh, okay, why are you on Good Morning America? Something that makes them curious. And then in the copy, just write a little, hey, I am a podcaster from East Cupcake, Frostingville, <laughs> and I'm really excited for the first time I'm going to be talking about pop culture on Good Morning America, tune in and let me know what you think. Let me know how I did. You treat it as if it's like this engaging update from your newsfeed and you're, you're putting some juice behind it to kind of reach more people. Mm. That's the other thing. When you're using your Facebook ads in this type of way, 
people want to engage with people that they can relate to. People want to engage to people that they feel are similar to them. We as podcasters really have the privilege of sitting in a, a medium where when people listen to us talk, feel like they're in the same room with us having a conversation. Mm. So don't pretend that you are a different type of outlet. Just stay really humble to that ethos. Right. And I find it works really well. So you're creative. Yes, you do have to have some sort of artwork. Video doesn't really do a whole lot. Pictures always perform better for me. That's why I'm like, the ones that always perform well are the color blocked text on a color block background and some sort of like fun, engaging, humble type text that kind of introduces people to what you're up to. But the catch is here that in order to get the most from your ad campaign, you shouldn't have just one version of your ad. So the next thing is something called content optimization. Content optimization is critical because that audience that you're targeting, you can't just trust that they're going to like that one ad you put out. Mm. So what you need to do is you need to create multiple pieces of creative, whether you change your copy, whether you change the picture that you're putting out, change it up so that there's three different versions of it. They all lead to the same place. You're just changing the creative. Mm. The reason you're changing the creative is because we as individuals are not all the same one. We all respond to different types of creative. We respond right. to different cues. So you want to make sure that the dollars that you're putting behind this campaign are being maximized by ensuring that there's going to be at least one piece of content that's going live that mm. that audience member is going to like want to see. And so Facebook will just cycle through and share that content out. It doesn't compete against each other. So it's all within the same campaign and people will, you know, they'll see it. The funny thing is, is that when you do run a campaign that has multiple pieces of content, and I recommend a minimum of three, it's usually a good okay. number. It's not too much. It's easy to handle. You'll notice that there is always going to be one piece of content that's just going to outperform the rest exponentially. Once you see this, after a couple of days, you're going to deactivate the one piece of creative that is the lowest performing. Mm. You don't need to waste money on it. Just spend the money on the stuff that's doing well. So we have the who. Who should Facebook show the ad to? We also have the what. What does the ad look like? Finally, we need the where. Where should the ad send them to if they click on it? Then there's going to be a link. So when you click on it, it's going to drive you to whatever you want that link to be. I always like to drive it to my own site. Maybe it's a blog post that has more detail. Maybe it's a blog post after I did the segment on the morning show. And people can then watch it there after the fact. The cool thing is, is that when you're running ads, it's not time sensitive. You can have it go for mm. a period of time. So really it's up to you on whether you want it to like drive people to tune in when you're doing it live or tune in afterwards. My recommendation is do it afterwards. You've got the archive footage, send them to your website, get them to click through, get them to engage. And just like with the ad creative, you can actually run little tests to see which ad destinations perform the best and get people to stick around and consume your content. Just put three different shows in. Okay, here's show A. Please check out, you know, my interview with DMC. That's my personal favorite if you want to listen to my show. <laughs> DMC, nice. remember DMC. Uh, Coolio is also a really good one. And Tommy Chong. 
All right. We've got three really big names there that people can respond to, but which one is my audience most interested in listening to? So if I put that out and I have some paid dollars behind it, I can see what people are most interested because they'll gravitate towards one of those more than the other. And so I can start learning about what content my audience likes to consume, which creative content motivates them to click through. They'll drink a little bit more of the Kool-Aid. They want a little bit more of you. You want to give them a little bit more of yourself. We should note that you don't necessarily want to link people directly to your podcast for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's kind of a big ask to ask someone to listen to a 20, 40, even 60 minute podcast episode right then and there from an ad. People who are looking at Facebook ads are generally not in the headspace to listen to podcast episodes. So what you want to do instead of linking them to an episode, which you can do, but what we've found is that it's more effective to link them to some sort of micro content, maybe a short video or a blog post or a lead magnet, something like that, where they can get massive value immediately and without spending tons of time. The other thing that's really, really great about this is that when they do that, they're going to be clicking through to your website. And that is what's going to allow you to take advantage of something called retargeting. Retargeting is simply an idea that says, once you have sent out your first bit of content, your first campaign, you do another campaign that retargets those that engaged with it. So have you ever been shopping online and you've left items in your cart to buy later And then suddenly, four hours later, you're scrolling on Instagram and you see an ad for that exact thing that's in your cart? That is retargeting at work. And it's effective because you can show retargeting ads only to the people who have already engaged with your website and you can make it super personal to what they've engaged with. It's super targeted and super effective. And it's super easy to do. You should have a pixel installed. So this Mm. is another piece of technology. It's called a Facebook pixel. Install that on your website. Once they trigger that pixel, you now have the ability to retarget them. So you never lose them. A pixel is a little bit of website code that goes on your website and that tells Facebook that the viewer has visited the site. It's what basically hooks your website up to Facebook and allows them to know who the retargeting ads should be shown to. It's very easy to set up a pixel, and it's also easy to add the pixel to whatever website platform you're using, PodPage, WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, whatever. They all have tons of videos and tutorials on how to link up your Facebook pixel. Okay, so we've covered a lot so far. How to effectively find an audience for your paid ads, how to optimize that ad's creative, and what to think about when choosing what the ad should link to. What is the destination? And where do people go after clicking on the ad? But there is one more question that I know you have about using Facebook ads. How many dollars do I have to spend to get a return? Well, there's a lot of factors that define that. What time of year? Like holidays, there's going to be a lot Mm. of people advertising during the holidays. So you maybe don't want to do it around the end of the year. Maybe you're in a highly competitive bracket. Maybe you have a fitness show. Well, there's lots of fitness brands that are going to be marketing their content almost every day. So you have to realize that there's competition. The cost of your campaign is defined in a bidding marketplace. All of this Mm. is an auction, all of it. So 
if you have a campaign that's really well targeted, and this is another reason why I like using lookalikes, because you're creating a very custom audience that's very different than just going in and using the targeting that Facebook has, hmm. which is great. It's powerful. But you could end up paying more. You could end up paying more when you're boosting a post. You could pay more if you're just doing like random targeting, trying to get as honed in and that target as you possibly can. You could end up spending a little bit more because you're probably looking at, if it's a fitness brand, you're looking at yoga wear or um, yeah. people who have gym memberships or like to consume online workout programs. But if you have your custom audience, it's so custom to you that you could actually end up saving money in that bidding marketplace to reach those people. And there's another number that's called, it's a CPM. Basically, it's the cost to reach a thousand people. For example, when we're dealing with the Olympics and we're dealing with Olympic brands, that CPM could be as high as $15, $20. That's really high. Because we're dealing like a thousand people, we have to reach millions of people, and we're that's how much yeah. we're paying. You think about what that budget is. But typically, if you're just you know using a lookalike audience, you could be spending a dollar, maybe even two, and that's on the high end. Mm. If you're really good with your your marketing, you can get it lower than that. But you can also set in order to manage this, you can set campaigns to run a campaign budget. So when you go into the Facebook business manager, there's levels. So it starts with a campaign and then it goes to an ad group and then it goes to ads. So campaign is the overall campaign. That's where you set how much dollars you want to spend. The length of the campaign can also affect how much you spend and how effective that spending is. I recommend running a campaign no less than three days and no more than like seven. But if you want to push it to 10, that's not terrible. And if your audience is small, they're going to be seeing that content, that frequency is going to be very frequent mm. and you just don't want to exhaust them. So mm. I will typically have a month, if I want to do a month campaign, I'll have multiple pieces of content. I'll say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for my first week. This is what I'm going to do for my second week. So this is what I'm going to do for my third week. Could all be advertising the same show or same three shows. But I just change the types of content over the week so that they don't get fatigued. Mm. So imagine if you're going on Facebook and you're seeing the same ad three days in a row, four times a day. You're just like, okay, I get it, bud. You want me to tune into your podcast? That's why having different types of content to optimize is really important. It keeps it fresh for everybody. So when you come to the end of that seven days, you can start up a new campaign. Okay, so we've learned a lot here. Marie has just shared with us the foundational knowledge we need to get started using paid spend in a way that actually works and doesn't break the bank. It can feel like a lot. So for someone who is in the early, early stages, who has never done something like this before, where should you begin? Focus on growing your newsletter. Focus on getting people to sign up for your content. Focus on getting them into that drift because the more and more I work in marketing, the more I realize how important those lists are mm. and doing creative, do collaborations with other podcasts to try and build each other's newsletters. But those newsletter lists are really, I mean, you've heard me talk throughout the show about using those lists in order to build lookalike audiences, right? Right. It's the foundation. It's the foundation of so many pieces. And also that's free. So if the first thing you need to do, if you're listening to this and you don't have a newsletter list, you're going to start one now. And you're going to invest some time to get people to sign up on it and you're going to build it out so that 
if you want to do this paid strategy, you will have somewhere really, really powerful that you're going to be able to start from, which is an engaged audience that cares about you and cares about your show and wants more about your content. I can't stress this enough. If you have not started growing your show 10 to 25% every single month, you should not start fiddling with Facebook ads. Also, if you do not have $500 to $1,000 that you are okay losing while figuring this out, you should not start fiddling with Facebook ads. You're gonna lose money and that energy is going to be taken away from the important things like targeted daily engagement and it'll be taken away from learning the basics of growing your audience online if you jump into this too early. But if you've got a little bit of extra budget to play with and you've already started seeing success with targeted daily engagement and PR and spreading the word and partnering with other podcasters and stuff like that, then it's time to start adding some paid spend into the mix. And even then, I would just recommend starting with retargeting first. Get that going, start finding success with it, then start to play with cold and localite audiences. So there you have it. Marie has shared with you the baseline knowledge that you need to get started with Facebook ads. It doesn't seem so scary anymore, right? Now, I'm sure you have further questions for Marie. So if you have any questions about this, or if you'd like some feedback on your audience, your creative, your destination, your spend, or even whether if now is the right time to start doing this, join us in the free Grow the Show Facebook group. And when I say us, I mean me and Marie. Marie and I, as I mentioned at the outset, actually met via the Grow the Show Facebook group. I hopped in, saw her dropping some knowledge and said, whoa, let's get her on the show. And so we did. So if you want to connect with me and Marie, and if you'd like even more support as you venture into the world of Facebook ads in the name of growing your podcast, join us in the Grow the Show Facebook group right now. The link is in the show notes. Grow the Show is a Q9 production. This episode was written and produced by Catherine Nails and myself with post-production by Jeremy Bishop and a very special thanks to Grow the Show community member and marketing extraordinaire, Marie Nicola. For Grow the Show, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. See you next time.